0: Game, hey everyone, welcome back to Honesty Hour. This is our fifth episode. I'm one of your hosts, Ragnar Kuthur, and I'm here with Ethan Wong, my co-host. Hi guys. Um, hey Ethan. So, how are you feeling today? Um, honestly, I've been feeling a little bit anxious lately with everything going on.
1: Oh, really? Um, what's going on?
0: Um, for me, uh, I don't know. I think it's just kind of the stress of finals and applying to jobs. Um, I think I've applied to at least like 12 jobs so far. So it's just kind of exhausting and just kind of the uncertainty that comes with like receiving response, you know, like with jobs, they don't usually have to respond to you, but I wish they would give us that courtesy just so that I didn't have to be stressed and always be waiting for a response. It's like, when would, when do I stop waiting and just kind of move on? You know, it's just, yeah, it's pretty frustrating.
1: Yeah, I can only imagine what like that uncertainty is like, like constantly never knowing when or if you'll ever get a response.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, also, everyone, by the way, um, Ethan's having a little bit of Wi-Fi trouble, so if you are looking at the visual version, you will not be able to see him during the introduction. But, um, but how about you, Ethan? How are you doing? Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, same old, just dealing with uh, Zoom classes online and. Uh, Because I'm in Taiwan, there's like a bit of a time zone difference. So it's just like, um, dealing with like sleep issues, I guess, or like sleep deprivation and, um, just trying to survive the semester.
0: Yeah. I feel like I know so many people who are having a lot of sleep issues. I mean, I think yours is caused by something else, but there are also people who have just, I've heard from a lot of friends and also just kind of read some articles that have been saying that there's just this wave of people who are kind of going through COVID sleeplessness and, It was kind of when i read the article i was like oh thank god it's not just me because i feel like i'm just been going through this this entire pandemic you know
1: yeah yeah no i think when you like combine your workplace with your sleep place or like your comfort place like your home it just kind of ruins like your general routines and cycles exactly yeah yeah but now moving on to our podcast we have a very exciting guest today but before we continue i wanted to remind people to subscribe to our podcast as well as follow our social media so our Instagram is at Podcast underscore. And our website is USCHonestyHour.wixsite.com slash my site. Additionally, just wanted to remind everyone about the quality of our audio. We're still using Zoom during this pandemic. So the quality will remain the same until we are able to be together and rent equipment. So now moving on to our guest for today. Today, we are very excited to introduce our speaker, Travis Chen. Travis is a student at USC who, over the past year, has developed an app, SoundMind, that utilizes music therapy to combat PTSD. In this podcast, you will learn about his background as an Asian American, how he became involved in music therapy, how he developed the business, and more. Please welcome Travis Chen.
0: Hey, Travis. Hey, guys. Hey. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, We're really excited to have a in-depth conversation about mental health as well as what you're doing in this space. So maybe um, we can start off by just kind of talking about how we're doing today. Um, I can start off just um, saying how I'm doing and then um, we can kind of get into exploring what you do. So I guess like for me today, I'm doing okay, kind of tired. I think it's just getting a little bit burnt out (laughs) at school but getting through it, um, just trying to complete tasks just one by one and that's been helping a lot just kind of Making them seem like they're smaller tasks than they actually are, but um, yeah, do you want any of you guys want to go?
2: Sure. Um, yeah, I'm I'm doing okay. Um, this week has definitely flown by. Uh, this semester definitely feels like it's more of a sprint than anything, um, and you know, like it's just kind of like nonstop uh, trying to figure out some time to breathe. Um, one of the most important things I think is just like stepping out of your your zone of like working, you know, an hour to a day like, whether that's going outside and, like, w- taking a walk or, like, going outside and going for, like, you know, uh, ice cream runs or boba runs with your oh, yeah. with your family. Um, so, I've uh, been doing that, but I'm feeling okay. Excited okay. for the semester to end, definitely.
0: Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Definitely feel that. Uh, yeah, this whole semester's been a speed run. Um, I've been probably the same, just uh, been tired with, like, a lot of exams recently, but everything's all right, doing well. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: no, Travis, and by the way, here. I wanted to introduce you to Ethan. You didn't get nice. to meet him during the yeah. meeting that we had. Um, but yeah, he's our co-host. Um, he just joined, so he was on our last podcast that we had. But this is his second podcast he's doing with us. So awesome! I made the time, yeah.
2: And Ethan, where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from Taiwan. Oh, no, no way. Which part of Taiwan? Uh, Shinsu. Okay, very cool. I'm actually going to Taiwan um, in a few weeks. Oh, really? For the, Before for the holidays. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm from Taiwan oh okay got it got it got it that's so cool
0: yeah That's awesome hopefully we can also kind of dive into that too maybe you guys can i mean when we dive into like questions about the asian-american experience you both can give your input as well so i mean great so maybe kind of to start off what we can do is you could provide us with a little bit of an introduction about yourself um anything that you want the listeners to know about you
2: awesome yeah well Hi everyone, uh, I'm Travis. I'm very excited to be on this podcast today and thank you for uh, inviting me to be on this podcast. Uh, I'm a senior studying international relations and global business at USC. Um, so very thankful that we still have the great technology that we have today to be able to take classes um, like Ethan yourself is taking you know, classes from, from Taiwan. So really thankful that we still have the technology. Um, you know, For me, mental health has always been something that I've been very, very big on um, and really started in high school. Um, When I found out you know that um, there was this thing called meditation out there um, and there was tools in our in our in our uh, phones called um, Headspace and calm uh, meditation apps that are on the App Store that we could use and uh, meditation something that I have using high school and I um, now today Um, and the co-founder and COO of Soundmind, uh, where we're trying to create an individualized music um, experience uh, for individuals with PTSD, depression, and anxiety. Um, And what we're trying to do is really uh, create that positive associated experience for end users um, that allows them to relieve their stress, make them happier, um, and we're working really hard. We're all Trojan-based. Um, so, uh, you know, we're all Trojan founders, um, and we're very excited about the practice that we've been able to have. Um, and, you know, for me, mental health on a personal level, uh, being an Asian American in the United States has uh, been something that a lot of people in our community struggle with and struggle to talk about. And I want to be part of that change, and I really hope to be able to make, that, make a difference in individuals' lives, whether that's Asian Americans or beyond, um, in the mental health space and beyond, um, to create products and to create services and really to create change in a very, very specific field that's so so paramount in today's time. Yeah,
1: um, could you also talk about like how you grew up, um, your parents background maybe, and like what was mental health like for you when you were younger?
2: Sure, yeah, so I was born in Taiwan um, and I moved to the United States when I was three, so very young, uh, but even then like, you know, bit growing up in an Asian uh, household and also um, in an Asian community here in Los Angeles, um, it was something that uh, mental health is something that definitely isn't something that we talk about and is is one of those things that we just don't bring up on on the dinner table. Um, you know, in, in history, um, mental health in Asian communities isn't really something that you you talk about and is often seen as a real weak in, in, in a sense. So it, it's, been, it's been interesting to see that, but I'm thankful that my parents have uh, been very open to us um, and they haven't really uh, been that typical like Asian that parents that say you have to take this these many SAT scores or this many AP scores or tests and they've always been kind um, of uh, you know we want you to find your passion we want to find what makes you happy we want to find something that you can do for the rest of your life that you will wake up every single day and join and um, my parents have been very very uh, open about that since we were really young and i'm very thankful for that experience um, but i know many others within the community that i grew up in that weren't so lucky um, and they were pushed every single day um, night and day to make sure that they took you know however many a- a- ap tests or ap um, classes and get the sat scores that they wanted and get into like the ivy leagues of the top you know 20s of the united states um, and stuff and they really had a lot of pressure and they really had a lot of stress uh, which is really, really unfortunate. But I'm thankful that my parents didn't give that on me and didn't put that on our, me and my siblings. Um, and we were able to find something that we were really passionate about and work towards something that we really want to do in this world. Yeah,
0: that's really awesome. I feel like that, I feel like being raised also, since I'm South Asian too, I can relate to this in uh, the sense that having parents who are just pushing you the hardest that they can because they do care about you and they want you to do the best. But of course there are, um, there are two ways to kind of look at that. It's like, obviously, you want them to do what they want to do and you want the best, but what's the best way to go about it? And it can have different effects on someone's life. Like for you, like maybe that also like helped you pursue your passion for going into the mental health space, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just there's always benefits to both sides and it's really interesting to hear your perspective. Yeah, Um, no, it's very, very important. Yeah, and so then maybe we can also go into – like we did talk about your high, sc- high school a little bit, but maybe you can talk about how mental health is perceived at your high school. If there was anything that um, counselors were doing at the time or if you've seen a change now that you're in college, if it's more involved here versus when you were in high school.
2: Sure. Yeah. No. Um, so I was like I said earlier um, when I was a senior in high school. Um, there was a moment in time, I think, when college apps just really, you know, were a stress on all of us, right? It, it, everyone um, that is on this on, on this podcast or is li- listening to this podcast, I'm sure, understands, like, the stress of college application. Right? You're trying to put your best foot forward. You're trying to put your best, you know, college essays. You're trying to put your um, best, you know, college recommendation letters and get those college recommendation letters. And for me, it was, it was a very specific time, and I remember this very, very vividly it was one morning when I went to my high school one morning and it was just, it was a very stressful day, very stressful morning. Um, you know, there was college applications, there were extracurriculars. I was involved with there were classes that I was still needing to make sure that I get, you know, um, strong grades. And, and it was the one morning where I just felt so, so stressed and I didn't know what to do. Like I felt the sense of, you know, anxiety and I just felt this really, really, um, just a really bad feeling in, in my in my, in my mental health. And I had heard about this app, this mental health app. And that was, this was in 2016, when the mental health apps uh, were on a rise, and people were talking about it, and society was more receptive of, you know, tools, such as mental health, and people were talking about, you know, mental health so much more. Um, and so I downloaded the Headspace app, and I literally used the Headspace uh, meditation for about five minutes. And that was a moment in time where I was just, you know, alone on the car, and I just felt a sense of, you know, relief, a sense of relaxation, a sense of, you know, mindfulness in my mind that I, I, that I I could use this tool going forward. And I did, and I started using that tool. And and that's also when I started to, you know, really look into mental health so much more. At that time, our school um, didn't have as many resources in mental health as they do now. Um, and it's really, really incredible to see the difference in the change and the improvement of mental health resources, not only at this community that I'm in, that I grew up in, but also at, you know, at the university level. Um, there's just so many more mental health resources out there. I mean, I, I'm not saying that they're, they're, they're the end all be all and they, they solve everyone's issues, um, but to see the rise and to see the improvement of people talking about mental health um, is, is really relieving to me. And I started you know, being more involved in the mental health communities um, and really talking about them and really being involved and engaging and also attending different events about mental health and talking about it to to, to my friends as well. Um, and then, but, you know, also at the, on the professional level, you know, corporations are really turning their heads into looking into... Um, different kind of resources and tools that they can provide uh, you know, their employees with mental health resources. Um, for example, this summer I was at Amazon um, and they've offered us free Headspace uh, subscription for you know the time that we were there. And that's a really, really big part. And that really shows you how important mental health and mental health resources are um, to these corporations. And they're really investing into this because they realize that it's something that we cannot shy away from and we cannot you know not talk about and it needs to be something that we are putting at the forefront of everyone's lives and, and even at the cor- at the corporation level yeah
1: yeah mental health and um self-care is just so important like i remember also in my high school like our counselor um kind of like a almost like a weekly uh 10-minute like meditation session uh, just for the seniors because then we're all like stressed out from college apps and all that but i just feel like sometimes people don't realize like how valuable uh like self-care can be meditation for example and so like i remember a lot of times like people would just try to like ditch class to just try to get out of it or like try to figure out ways to avoid um being a part of that activity but yeah it's just so valuable and it's like really important that like i feel like institutions start like taking it more seriously
0: yeah i feel like also on that note too i feel like once when you're younger you don't really see that much of you don't understand the value that comes with meditation and mindfulness. A lot of times you kind of just see it as something people are doing because they have the time because they are, they are older and they have more time in their schedule to like put aside for this. But now it's like, if I had that time in high school to like what you're talking about to have a time where it was dedicated to meditating. Oh my gosh, I would have loved that. I like, I always try to find time in my day to have that mindfulness just a mindfulness hour for myself. And it's so hard to find now. And we were given it when we were younger. And now we're like, it's just our days are getting busier and busier. And it's hard to find that time. But yeah, it's really important.
2: Yeah. And I'm even seeing seeing at the elementary and middle school levels, like, you know, students and, and teachers into their curriculum or into like their schedules of the day, like, you know, whether that be yoga or mindfulness or just like, you know, you know, writing notes to other people about like, oh, you know, you mean a lot to me and the, 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 the little things about like, you know, really showing your love and your care for others uh, really go a long way. And I think that's, that's so important. Uh, people that my parents showed me that when I was young and like to be able to see that across the board now is really, really important. And like you mentioned, you know, self-care and to really realize that you are all so worthy and so loving and so important in this world. That, that that really, really means a lot um, to the individual. And I really hope to see that going forward ac- across the world.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, maybe we can hop into uh, your experience at USC. I think that'll be uh, really interesting to talk about it, especially um, from the Asian American perspective as well. So I remember when we had our conversation before, um, you talked about this shift that you felt when you went from high school to being in college. And there was a shift in terms of, um, your mental health related to, um, just like the, um, the rigor that comes with being at a university like USC. So maybe you can touch on that and, um, just give us a little bit of examples of what you went through.
2: Yeah, no, um, you know, USC is a great institution, um, as we all know, we're all Trojans, so fight on. Um, but, you know, with that comes a lot of, um, you know, stress and anxiety for the individual. And it's for me when it really, really, really was apparent when I first came to USC. And, you know, we were all we we all kind of are put into the situation where we are just, you know, part of the institution, and for us, in order to succeed, in order for, and in, in order for us to, you know, work well and get the most experience, we need to execute, and we need to do what we need to do in order to, you know, get this, the this this experience and the most out of the experience as we want. And um, for me, it was, you know, sitting in classrooms and noticing like so many other individuals that were so diverse and so incredibly intelligent and so incredibly incredibly intellectual, but at the same time, though. Um, I felt the sense of imposter syndrome like pretty much immediately coming into campus like everyone was putting their best forward everyone was putting you know th- their best minds and their best you know efforts and you know it, all you saw was just everyone's best and that really h- hit hard for me um, especially you know because all of us are so intellectual all of us are so intelligent we all kind of come into this pool and this kind of like ocean of now we're competing against each other right now we're, we're fighting against each other and we're all incredibly smart and we're all really really you know uh, go-getters essentially and um, I saw that, uh, that that to be something that I really really um, didn't feel comfortable with and I didn't really was resonated with um, in this community of like oh everyone was just like fighting and everyone's competing and everyone is doing that and I felt that that was normal right I felt that that was something that we're, we all just kind of like you know are, uh, that's just USC and that's what we have to do um, and I, d- I didn't really not feel imposter syndrome until I got an offer from Amazon, you know, a big corporation that I'm like, okay, finally, I can compete against all these other individuals. Uh, But not only that, though, like, you know, if you look at the Greek system, the Greek run nothing against the Greek, you know, individuals in the Greek system, but um, it's all, you know, predominantly white. um, And, you know, uh, Asian, Asians, or, you know, whether that be uh, Latinos, or, you know, African American, black individuals, they're not seemed as welcome to those communities, because of this white persona that this community you know excuses and and that's something that i think is an, is a systemic issue and that needs to change and that needs to improve um, and that's not healthy for people with that want to participate in those activities or feel like they should be part of those communities in order to build a bond with other, other individuals within the system. And so there's parts of USC where I feel like are incredibly great, right? We're a really great research institution. We are great professors and stuff. And But the, the fact of the matter is that, like, you know, this imposter syndrome that so many people feel. And for me, you know, I'm, I'm an Asian American and we have a pretty large community of Asian Americans. But thinking about other communities that aren't you know, that don't have that big of a population, how would they feel? How would they, you know, be in that experience at USC? Um, And that's something that I question every single day. Like, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to do as a university? How are we supposed to do as a community in order to make people feel more like they're more welcome into our communities um, and feel like they are also belonging into our communities? And this this imposter syndrome is, is very, very real. It's not healthy at all. Um, and it's something that needs to be brought up, and it needs to be discussed, and it needs to be fixed, uh, because at the end of the day, you know, if people aren't healthy, they're not going to put their best foot forward, Um, and so, like I said, you know, the the first time where I didn't feel imposter syndrome was when I got an offer letter um, from Amazon for my internship, because I finally felt that I accomplished something that I could compete against other people, you know, at USC, and that wasn't the case, like, that truly isn't the case, right, like, I had the same level of conversations and the same level of intellect as other individuals, but it's just like the way that everyone put their put themselves forward. That's how I felt that I needed to be in that level, and that if I wasn't at that level if I wasn't performing performing at that level, that's something that you know was was like shown as weak.
0: Yeah, especially, to going back to the topic of, um, like, the Greek life that we have on campus, a lot with that, too, that comes with feeling that sense of exclusion, too, comes from the idea of how much people associate USC with Greek culture, too. That's, like, a big part of it, where they think that when you are a freshman, or when you're just, like, a transfer or something, that to make friends, you need to be a part of this community, and you can't find that as easily other places and that can be really like create a sense of exclusion when you are um, of a race that is not um, predominantly represented in these groups because you also feel like you have to be okay with being that one person who's standing out in the crowd and in order to make friends you need to like be able to handle yourself in the situations and of course you should but you also need to be a part of an environment that's inclusive of who you are and it's there is Putting forward also your best characteristics and your perspective too you know yeah.
2: No absolutely and that's something that I think a lot of people don't see and a lot of people don't realize you know they they kind of come into college and they feel like they need to be part of this like you said this part of like persona this part of personality this part of community that they honestly deep down aren't a part of and they're not truly that's not true truly themselves and I think people they aren't um they they don't find that genuine self until a long time afterwards and they feel like oh that's not the community that i'm i feel comfortable with and people don't realize that until afterwards because they feel like that's the norm that that's what that's what our, our our society our community our university makes it feel like that has to be you know, you need to be part of that system. And, and, and that, that's really, really unfortunate. And I'm not saying it's only the Greek system, right? There's other, you know, as well, other organizations as well as like, you have to be that, this type of personality, you have to be this type of persona, and that's an issue. And I'm not saying that's only at USC, it's also at other universities as well. I and mean, that's not healthy, that's not healthy. I always, I'm always proud that my parents have always taught us, you know, find who you truly are, who your genuine self is, and find what your real values are, and go from there, let, let that lead you and don't let any outside noise lead what you want to do and who you want to become.
0: Yeah, it's like that struggle, exactly what you said with the whole idea of imposter syndrome. It's feeling like there, obviously it has to do with like skills and attributes, but it also can relate to just a sense of like social belonging too. It's like, uh, why am I a part of this community? Why am I here? And also where can I find myself too?
1: I'd say like on top of uh, the imposter syndrome thing, like as it's kind of funny that like, most people do experience it and like it's because that most experience like the fact that most people experience it but don't talk about it's kind of like shocking I guess because like I feel like once the conversation kind of starts that people realize oh wait everyone feels like they don't belong or feels like everyone else is incredible and that they might not be as incredible it kind of I think once that conversation starts it kind of will help people realize that like we all kind of belong on campus. That we're all yeah. there for a reason
0: and it's getting that conversation started that is the issue that is the biggest part too with a lot of mental health is that people just think they're going through it alone when that's not the case yeah. especially with college students like if you look at statistics it shows you how many people when they go to college start developing conditions like anxiety depression and things like that so but it just doesn't seem real because it's your own experience and you're only seeing the outside perspective of what everyone else is going through
2: yeah, no, those are exactly right. And, you know, COVID-19 has also propelled um, individuals' loneliness, individuals' depression, individuals' anxiety. And I think that's an issue that um, universities aren't necessarily taking enough steps to take care of, uh, because all of us are all over the world, right? We're all alone. We're all taking classes on Zoom. And it's just not the same. And professors aren't talking about it, in my, at least in my classes. Um, and, and yes, you know, the university is um taking initiatives such as you know making pass the pass an option for individuals who choose to do so um and also ending you know classes a little bit early but there's so much more like you know this whole semester has felt like a sprint like i had mentioned um and it just feels so 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 fast and there's no break there's no time to breathe um and and you know we need to do more about that and we really really do and professors, um i think at least for my professors you know should do more to that um and the university also should take more action on providing resources and providing tools and also talking about it. And I'm not saying that they're not, uh, you know, taking more steps to do so uh, would be would be great.
1: Um, I guess just to dive deeper into your experience at USC, can you also like talk about what it was, what it's like growing up uh, at USC as an Asian American and what your thoughts are on the Asian American community?
2: Yeah. Um, so I think it really depends on your major um, and it also depends on like you know what organizations your national relations and global business I get kind of both you know IR um, and also business um, and so the difference between that, that is also really interesting right so in IR uh, predominantly you know you you have more um, Caucasian uh, individuals in those in those classes and then also on the business side you have more of a mix because you know evidently that's just kind of how it works um, and I think that um, that, that was interesting for me, um, you know, being, growing up in an Asian community that was 60% Asian, um, I didn't necessarily have a lot of, um, you know, connection or experience with um, people outside of the Asian community, the Asian American community. And being at USC, I was able to expose myself to, you know, this, 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 this so diverse, you know, in, in, incredibly, you know, in, in, in intellectual kind of community. And, and that, was, that was really interesting to me. Uh, But, you know, I can only imagine what it's like for other individuals like Latinos and and Black and and those communities that don't necessarily see, you know, other people like their skin color on campus and don't necessarily people see the the people of their color in their classes. Um, And that's an issue, you know. And for me, uh, being an Asian American at USC, I'm thankful that we have a pretty a good percentage of Asian Americans, and it makes me feel like I belong in some senses in the organizations I'm involved with, and I don't feel like I'm any different in in some senses. Uh, but you know what it's like for other individuals, I can't even imagine. So you know, being being Asian at USC um, has has its uh, has its difficulty sometimes, but we we aren't um, the worst um, if we think about you know other communities as well.
0: Yeah, I was um, kind of wanted to also touch on just how. In terms of community building too at USC, um, specifically, as you said, like it makes you feel like you're not completely excluded because of how large the Asian American community is at USC. Um, Can you talk about your experience of kind of going from high school where you were part of, like you said, there was 60% around you was mostly um, Asian Americans. Can you talk about that transition a little bit and how you were able to find your place at USC? Because I know a lot of students, too, that's something that they are struggling with, especially right now with COVID, it makes it even more difficult.
2: Yeah, no, I, I can only, I can't even imagine what it's like, you know, being a freshman or being a transfer student during this time during COVID. Um, for me, you know, I think finding something that I love and something, something that I really, really am a part of, um, for me, I found that calling with Society Fifty Three, um, where we are the student ambassadors for the alumni association, and with the alumni association, we're so diverse, right? We have we're representing so many different cultures, so many different religions, so many different groups, and so I was able to find that community there that was very diverse, that had upperclassmen that was able to lend that helping hand for me, um, and you know I, I felt really comfortable in that setting. Uh, but like you said, the transition from sixty percent Asian to now, you know, like a community that 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 is, I I'm not sure the statistics, yeah. but I'm sure it's a lot lower than sixty percent Asian in at USC um it was very different and uh, um you know the classes were very different and you know i saw professors favoring and i still do i still see fav- professors favoring you know uh white caucasians over other individuals um and and that might just be the fact that you know that's just the the system like that that's how it works but that's an unfortunate system right like how about other people that want to show up and want to participate um but don't have that opportunity to and because you know your last name is not A, you're not, your last name is not Caucasian. Um, And, you know, and that, that's, that's frustrating. And that's, um, that's demoralizing in some senses. And that's also really, really um, unfortunate for the, for everyone else that wants to have an equal opportunity. And, you know, we don't really talk about this, um, but it's really true. Like even internships, like, you know, you see internships, people favoring like, oh, uh, people who have you know, last names that are, that are uh, probably, you know, of, of families that are really wealthy and really well known. And, and um, we see that like, you know, day in and day out. Um, and and that's, that's not something that uh, should be the case. But that's just the unfortunate, you know, reality of life. And I want to see that change um, really, really soon, because that really needs to be be charged. And we are seeing that with corporations that are taking more initiatives for diversity initiatives, and diversity inclusion, you know, um, opportunities and, and internships and stuff like that. So we're de- definitely seeing some changes um, with, uh, uh, with you know, uh, inclusion and 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 making sure that people feel like they're part of this community, but there's so much more that we can do. Um, and when we see change and like, you know, for Society 53, what I did um, as the president of that organization, I initiated a diversity and inclusion committee. When we look at diversity and inclusion, it's not about just, you know, adding and, and setting metrics of saying we're going to add 25%, you know, X to this, to our community next year or in the next five years, right? It's seeing how do we make sure that these people feel like they are part of our community, how they feel like they're welcome into this community and and are able to succeed and are able to to make sure that they are able to excel in those, in those, in those settings. So those are things that I, you know, um, am a part of and I hope to continue to be a part of moving forward.
0: Yeah. I think that's especially, that's a really great point to make um, especially just, with where our country is and what state we're in right now, I feel like a lot of people think it's all about the numbers, like that'll solve everything. But that's just not the case. If you are going to increase the number of students of color or if you're going to increase diversity, you need to make them feel welcome so that they can prosper in that environment so that they can continue to make an impact even further when they leave this college environment, when they leave like their um, educational um, just background. But I guess like now I do want to give us time to talk about your app. I really want to get into that just because that is kind of also the reason we wanted to talk with you and learn more about what you do. But before we get into that, I know that you had mentioned um, kind of how the app came about. So do you want to talk about that with your friend, Brian, how how that all started?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Brian and I were actually roommates in Washington, DC, and we were in the USC and DC program. I was interning on Capitol Hill for uh, US Senator Feinstein, Diane Feinstein of California, and he was interning on the House side. Um, and so, you know, we got along really well, and it was a great relationship that we had. Um, And COVID hit, right? COVID hit and everything, you know, shut down. And I remember very vividly uh, me taking the train up to New York to my aunt's place um, and him flying uh, to California uh, for that time period because of COVID, right? And so, you know, we were, we were starting to work on this this product or uh, our, our app basically starting in January. He um, started in January. I started kind of coming in in February at that time. And, uh, you know, he brought in a lot of uh, knowledge on the research and that he's done on music therapy, and on PTSD and thin and sonic, which is the relationship between sound and violence. And I had experience with uh, tech startups. I've been, I've witnessed a lot of tech startups um, with with my internships that I've had and also um, my family who has uh, also done a lot of tech startups, um, you know, my extended family and stuff. And so I kind of brought in the business side of things and he brought in the research side of things. And, you know, I started off as just kind of being on the business end, but now ultimately am the co-founder and COO of the company. Um, And, you know, I really saw this need. I really saw this gap that we have. There's a lot of mental health apps out there. There are a lot of resources out there, but there's not an app out there that creates an individualized, personalized experience for the end user to create a, a very interactive, very, very uh, intriguing, very stimulating um, experience for the end user to return. And we're targeting individuals with PTSD, depression, and anxiety, but so much more. We're we're trying to create an app, and we're working really hard, day in and day out, to make sure that we have that experience that ensures individuals come back to the app uh, that are intrigued by the what our app features are. We're tr- we're creating three D characters. We're we're creating like a uh, tinder kind of like feature of the app that creates like you know swipe left if you don't like the sound or swipe right if you like the sound so we're thinking about inno- innovative ways that you know individuals would like the app and um you know so you know we started that we started that in, in uh, early this year and COVID-19 has only helped us uh, with the time that we've been have at, having at home to you know be on zoom calls like this one um to really make sure that we are able to find a a, a good business model number one and then number two obviously create an incredible product that we can go out there and, um, and market and uh, really help this community that's in need. So we, we've been very, very thankful for the time that we have during COVID-19 to make sure that we are able to succeed and very thankful that we have a great team of individuals across the entire board um, to make sure that we are able to create a product um, that individuals and users will come back to and uh, will obviously hopefully um, subscribe to. Can you talk a little bit about like how you guys even started with this whole idea,
1: like how the business plan went about? um sure. and how did you make it happen to like a reality
2: yeah so like i said brian um it, it was was the one that brought in the kind of research end of things and he he came in with um, this idea of trying to create an app like this and it, we only kind of brought it to a level of okay let's brought, bring in other resources let's bring in other kind of um, things and topics and and features of the app to make sure that we create a great product and um for us you know it was looking into what number one, like when you're starting a business, you're always thinking about what other businesses are out there and what existing products are out there, right? So you're doing your market research. So we did market research and we only found that there's only two music therapy apps on the market. Um, and that, that showed us a very big opportunity and a very, very, you know, large kind of um need market need for something like this and so and then obviously number two you know the step number two is okay seeing if there's a need right seeing if there's if this is something that users would be interested in doing and thankfully you know brian with his research that he had done he really showed that this was a need and this was something that would be useful this is something that we could potentially have a very big opportunity in and so we we found that uh, need And, and then number three obviously it's finding okay like how do you how do you plan out your entire company your business model right so are you going to be a nonprofit or are you going to be um, a, a revenue and like bringing those those um, those apps and those subscribers? And so, you know, throughout this entire time, throughout this entire journey, it, it's really you know, teaching our, us ourselves entrepreneurship, but also reaching out to the Trojan community and also the entrepreneurship community and tech startup community as a whole to find how we can make this uh, a successful um, thing. And we've been able to do that with, um, you know, for example, we're part of the Founder Institute program, which is the world's largest Pre-seed accelerator program, um, and so we've been able to go through and tap into that community and help and, and see uh, you know individuals who can help us and seek those help uh, for this for this product. Um, and you know we've been able to do a lot throughout this time, including you know building our financial models, building our revenue models, finding our market need, our target markets, um, and uh, you know what our market revenue would be. You know th- there's a there's a statistics out there that we there's a three point nine billion dollar Uh, market value by 2027 of the mental health apps out there and so you know this is a very big opportunity there's a very very strong kind of time for us to enter into Um, and we really really believe that there's a need out there and a a substantial kind of uh, market value that we can really tap into and you know like I said you know music therapy app only has two apps on the market Um, and so if we're able to compete against those two and even more and create that very very intriguing experience that people are able to come back to that's when we know when we'll be successful.
0: Yeah. I feel like that just listening to how much effort and how much research had to go into just starting this and building the, building a business plan from the ground up must've been a lot of effort. One of the things too I wanted to touch on as well is obviously you did a lot of research to create this app and to create the business plan, but also with therapy related to PTSD um, there's a lot of it is based in psychology and science. So kind of what was wondering how you are going about collecting data and information on best practices.
2: Sure. Yeah. No, that's very big for us. And at Soundline, you know, we're very much research based and we're very, very big on science. And so we've been able to work with um, psychologists um, and researchers at uh, USC, at Drexel University, and University of Notre Dame to really ensure that we are um, creating products and features that are part of that are really science-based and science backed. For example, we have a brain exercise feature that will have six different brain exercises on the app. um, And those are all, you know, stimulating or targeting different parts of your brain, including concentration uh, for memory, for sleep, et cetera. And um, we all make sure that we are able to use data that we collect Um, and you know obviously COVID-19 has been very very hard (laughs) to do a lot of the uh, research in terms of like user experience and stuff but um, we've been able to use a lot of the data that we've been able to collect to uh, drive our drive our business and drive what we're doing um, and make sure that we're all uh, research um, backed and then also um, you know the binaural beats section that we have in our app um, which is different sound frequencies to help with you know concentration memory uh, sleep as well has been has been very much on the research end um, that we've been able to work on and um, and other portions of course you know like our our, 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 uh, our music player uh, PTSD uh, portion and depression and anxiety has also been very much um, you know on the research end um, making sure that we are reaching those levels and we're working with psychologists to make sure that we have the best experience um, like you had mentioned that's it, very very important um, and also um, you know making sure that we are uh, creating uh, products that are um, you know user friendly um, is also very important for us, so you know going out there and going on to user testing sites and going to random people who have no knowledge of what we 're doing and no log- knowledge of who we are because that creates a lot of bias is, is what we 're doing as well so we're going on to you know user testing websites to um, see what people are saying about our designs. Our, our, all our designs are accessibility compliant, so make sure that 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 was a big thing for us. but making sure that um, individuals who have have no bias against us Uh, or against our product, um, are able to provide the strongest feedback is what we're also um, really big on.
1: Um, Could you also talk about like, uh, I guess, the difference between, for example, your app as well as another mindfulness app such as Headspace? Like, I guess your app would be practicing uh, music therapy, but um, what do you think are like the benefits of music therapy over the mindfulness practices that other uh, meditation
2: apps use? Yeah, that's a really good question so like if you think about headspace or calm right they're all they're all kind of pre-recorded meditation and meditation only and pre-recorded meditation um you know my chief research our chief research officer uh, always tells us about like a lot of people don't associate themselves with um individuals who are pre-recorded especially people who are like a lot of these apps out there and i'm not saying it's only just headspace and calm but are, are predominantly like white male or white female um and a lot of people in the uh diversity um, you know, communities um, don't feel that sense of connectedness to these voices. Um, they feel like, oh, that's just another white male. I'm not going to listen to that, or I don't feel like a connected con- connection with them. And for us, you know, we are not pre-recorded. Um, we're trying to create soundscapes and layers of different sounds to create that individual experience for people who want to cr- to want to have that that sound. And that we create we create sonic profiles, individualized sonic profiles for the end user. Um, that ultimately is is sounds and create sounds that people enjoy and people want to come back to and people are able to listen to. Um, and so that's really our differentiation. We are individualized or personalized. We learn about the user. We, the, the, the app gets to know you better as you use it, even even more. And you know whereas headspace or calm, they're just any pre-recorded, you just turn on mindfulness section uh, or, or mindfulness session and you're able to just you know listen to that for 10, 15 minutes and just you know that's it and you close the app and you're done. Uh, but for us the app understands who you are more more as you use it. And they're able to create that individual experience for the end user um, and that's just a really big differentiation in comparison to the other
0: apps out there well thanks for talking about that um maybe you can go into talking also specifically about going into the app space how like how how did you guys like decide that this was the way that you wanted to go um are you ever planning to take this to another level outside of the app space and then um, on top of that, maybe we can talk about how COVID has been affecting um, the app space and the business uh, world about, I just think like right now, um, I, I have a lot of friends who were thinking of starting businesses at this time, and it's very difficult for them, especially since they're separated across the world from their business partners. So I'd like to hear your perspective on how that's been affecting you, if it's been positive or if it's been negative.
2: Yeah, let me answer that last question first. And then uh, if you don't mind repeating the first question, that'd be great. So yeah, so COVID-19 has uh, helped us a lot. I think Zoom, um, I was calculating the number of hours that we've been on Zoom, our team has. And I think it's almost a thousand hours at this point, right? Like we've been able to use the technology that we have to communicate day and night. Um, to be on these Zoom calls hours day, a day, like, you know, hours on the weekends to really, really communicate with each other and to talk to each other. And I think it's been really, really great. Um, and even at Amazon, for example, my internship, I was, I didn't meet anyone on the team, but for that 12 week time period, but I was still able to connect with them and I was still able to learn from them and, you know, ultimately get, get that experience out of the internship um, uh, during my time. Um, so yeah, I think COVID-19 has helped us a lot. If it was any time before COVID or any other regular semester, we would be swamped in other activities, right? At school, at USC, um, and other universities that we are at. Um, and we wouldn't be able to focus on what we are doing right now. Like for us, it's like going to classes, you know, taking classes right now, and then also working on our Zoom, uh, excuse me, uh, going on to Zoom and talking with our other colleagues in, to order, in order to build this business. And I think entering into the app space, like to your point, um, it's a very a very very competitive space to be in. Um, there's a lot of apps out there I mean, you know billions of apps now on the app store um, But how are you able to succeed? I think it ultimately comes down to our marketing our go-to-market strategy How we're able to get our name out there, um, you know, how we're able to drive that um, You know name recognition and then our cost of user acquisition um, And you know bringing those revenues and our pricing strategy is also very important as well like how do we maintain a profitable business um, but still be able to, you know, have uh, individuals that come back and retain uh, our users and have that high retention rate. Um, so COVID-19 has, has helped us a lot, uh, but we also understand that this app space is, is not an easy place to be in, but we're really, really into this and we're really invested into this and we really hope that, you know, we create a great app. And I know that we will create a great app that can help users and, and create um, a positive association experience um, for, for individuals with P- PTSD, depression, anxiety, and so much more.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, yeah, especially with the app space too, um, just cause just of what we've seen in the industry, a lot of people have been able to make progress. um, Even if it's not, as I said, like I was going to ask you um, about, if you're thinking about extending past the app space with this type of project, but I think with the app space, the benefits of it can be also is you're able to have um, able to create a product within like, a certain amount of time that is accessible to everyone, you know, so it can, if you're able to get onto certain platforms, it's accessible to everyone, which was not possible um, before when we just weren't able to provide resources like this through the touch of your iPhone, you know? So that's like very interesting to think about, but yeah, maybe you can go into the question about if you're thinking about expanding beyond the app space.
2: Yeah, no, and, and that's a really good point. And one of the mission statements that we have with our company is that we're trying to create, um, you know. Technology solutions that can be people can use at the palm of their fingertips. Mm-hmm. And that's what we really really are driving ourselves forward to and, and absolutely everyone in this world, you know, not everyone, but the very, very big majority of, of people in, the, in this world have access to a smartphone nowadays. Yeah. And so being able to create an experience being able to create an app that's available to all of these individuals who have that access. Is what we, we want to do. But beyond that, I think right now in the last 10 months, despite us not even having our finalized product yet, we've been able to build a really strong community of mental health advocates and mental health professionals. You know, through our speaker series, we've been able to have really strong individuals in the market, in, in the mental health industry, uh, um, and professionals including, you know, our chief clinical officer at the Jed Foundation, um, and uh, others as well, psychologists, and, you know, really, really top level individuals, Um, to come in to speak with us and that's what we want to do ultimately we ultimately want to be a community a a a place that people can come to to talk about mental health and to really destigmatize you know mental health and to really talk about mental health but at the same time create these solutions and create these technologies that can help people with you know that are struggling with mental health
1: so uh, i guess uh for the next question about your business like how has covid like affected the whole process and like has there been any ups and downs um, and what the business, how the business is doing now?
2: Yeah. So uh, like I mentioned earlier, um, COVID-19 has helped us a lot through this process. Um, you know, we've all, we were all sitting at home at the very beginning and what w- was for us, it wasn't sitting around and watching Netflix or, you know, doing other things. It was us going onto these zoom calls. My family was always asking me, why are you always in your rooms on zoom calls? Like you're at home now, like, shouldn't you be relaxing? I'm like, no, you know, we're trying to build a business here. We're trying to build something that we can do. Um, and really help people as well. so um, it has helped us a lot. It, we, I, in fact, out of the seven people on our core team, I've actually only met a handful of them uh, only because that's just how it was. and, I've, and if this was pre-COVID, we'd all obviously have met met in person. We probably would have been working in person already, but I've only met a handful of them. Um, and that's just been so interesting to me because you know we are working day and night and, and like every single day I call these individuals, but I haven't even met these person uh, the, 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 these, these people. And, um, and, then that, and that seems like it's okay at today in today's time because, you know, it's like the new normal, right? Like we're all at home and we're all like, you know, working from different places around the world. We have people that are in the East coast and we have people in the West coast and we're always just calling and calling and calling, making sure that we come up with ideas and strong ideas and, and, and strong businesses um, to, to make this, to make this a reality.
0: Um, and I think one thing too, just because we are, um, running low on time. So I want to be able to get into resources. But before we do that, um, we kind of touched on this a little bit before, but when Ethan asked you what kind of differentiates you from other apps, but one thing that I would like to kind of go into is why is it so important to have, um, music therapy in relation to PTSD? Why is that important, especially to why Soundscape specifically? And then, um, on top of that, um, you were talking about this connection between violence and sound. I think that's what, how you mentioned it. Maybe you could talk about that too.
2: Yeah, no, that, that's sorry. I forgot to mention that. So, yeah. So um, as all of, you know, um, you know, music is something that's very, very important and it's, you know, people associate classical music with studying and, you know, um, Uh, 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 different individuals have different positive association with sounds, right? But for individuals with PTSD, um, let's say people are in the military um, and how they develop PTSD oftentimes are because of, you know, a tragic event that happened, for example, um, you know, God forbid, you know, a, a, a car blew up next to them and they were, they, were they, they had a trauma from that experience and, you know, that's why they have PTSD.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: so um, let's say that uh, an individual has negative associations with, you know, a car horn or um, a, you know, a glass dropping or a uh, falling or, you know, um, a, even an ice cream truck, right? Like the, these are, these are individuals, uh, these are experiences and sounds that people, don't uh like and, and when they hear those sounds they they have ptsd they have that trauma they, they, it comes back to the point of you know they they have that episode of 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 negative associations and so for us it came down to okay let's create an experience that people are able to come to to have those positive experiences that they can come to and they can turn on the music player they can open their soundscape that they last created And they can relieve their stress and relieve anxiety because people who have PTSD, yes, they have negative associations within sounds, but they also have positive associations with sounds that that are favorable, right? What what sounds they're able to, you know, let's say birds chirping or, um, you know, a waterfall or piano sounds like those are positive associations that they might have in comparison to the sounds that I had mentioned earlier. Um, and we're trying to create that we're trying to you know when once a user comes in they're able to let the app know i don't like this sound i like this sound i don't like this sound i like this sound and we use that tinder model that i was talking to you about right like that that mm-hmm. swiping right for enjoyable swiping left for i don't want to listen to this anymore don't don't ever give that to me anymore um and so we create that experience for the end user that creates these soundscapes that they they're able to listen to and ultimately You know, our measure of success is that they're able to relieve their stress and, like, when they have an episode of PTSD, they're able to listen to music that they positively associate associate with, and they're able to, you know, um, create a happier uh, mood for them. And, you know, our app is not only that, we also have, you know, the... um, brain exercises, which are very, very cool games that we're trying to create um, that brings back to the end user, um, whether that be you know uh, car racing or you know uh, other, other portions of the app as well. And we're trying to target different parts of the brain, including memory, including concentration, including sleep. Um, and then also we have binaural beats, um, which I had mentioned earlier, which is the sound frequency that uh, individuals are able to associate with, including for, for concentration, for memory. Um, and then we have a mood tracker, which individuals can go into and, you know, track the mood every single day and they can say, oh, I was very, very happy on every single Thursday of this month. That might be something interesting. And I want to look into why I was so happy on every single Thursday or why was I so you know, not happy on Mondays? Is it because it's a Monday or is it because, you know, there's something else within my schedule that I need to change and look into that I can, you know, lock in another time of meditation or lock in a time of, of, of time, you know, to myself um, to focus and to just really um to really come back and rezone myself and so um those are features of the app that we're trying to create and that's really the differentiation that we have uh in comparison to the other apps on the app
0: store yeah that's really interesting too that um you guys are kind of also expanding beyond just the music therapy you're helping in different ways as well that obviously it goes with what, what your main goal is but it's expanding beyond that so that you can provide like a whole circle Um, resource for people who are using your app. So that's really important too, because a lot of times I've even seen this too with certain apps that I've used for my own mental health is that I have to like go outside of that app and write something down that's related to my schedule or what I think is like working for me specifically. But once it's like integrated within the app, it makes it also an easier experience. It makes the user want to be a part of um, just want to engage with the app a lot more um, than previously before. So that's awesome.
2: Absolutely. And and this is something that I forgot to mention. Um, Really, um, the the reason why um, I kind of started getting so involved into mental health, even at the college level, was because there was one day, and I remember this very, very vividly, it was sophomore year, um, where I was just reading the news on the New York Times, on the New York Times app, and I read about a student that took his own life at Columbia University. Um, And, you know, that really, really struck me because I was like, oh, my gosh, this is another individual that is in college. And I'm also in college. And, you know, um, he took his own life. And I later found out um, just about like, you know, a few few hours later that that individual was an individual that I went to elementary school with. And he was, um, you know, he was my he was my fourth grade friend and he had first arrived um, from overseas. And, you know, my teacher, we were in the same class and my teacher had asked me to be his buddy around campus and to bring him around and stuff. And so we'd always stayed in touch, even though he went to a different, um, you know, school afterwards. But we'd always stay in touch. But it struck me really, really hard when he, you know, I read this about about him on the news that he took his own life. And that that really, really opened my eyes and really opened my my life to how important it is to have a balance and mental and, and, and happy mental health, you know. And like, you know, that was also the first time that I've ever checked into our school's um, health resource center, because I just felt the sense of, and looking back, it was very much anxiety, right? It was very much like, oh my gosh, like, this is what's happening. Like, how am I able to relieve my stress? How am I able to calm myself? And I didn't know what it was at the time, but I had checked in um, to my my school's mental, uh, excuse me, my school's uh, health resource center. And um, the doctor at the time was said, like, has anything happened in your life recently? And I said, yes. You know, um, one of my friends from from childhood uh, took his own life and he was, he's the same age as me. And she was like, you know, that's what it is. And so I took, I, I took some time away um, to talk about it with, you know, friends and with my family and to talk about like, you know, everything that happened. But, you know, looking back at it, 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 it it's very, very sad when we're, when we're witnessing people that are our age they're taking their own lives. And, you know, there's no reason you, you can't ask why, you know, you can't ask what happened. Um, but you can only do something about it. And you can only you can only go forward and, you know, see how you can be part of that change to make other people's individuals lives much, much
0: happier. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that goes back to the point to what you're doing with your app is, I feel like a lot of times people don't seek help, because it can be hard to take that first step, it can be hard. And it feels like it's like, a burden to bring someone else into this for it with you, but also it's a burden on yourself to have to go through this when you're already struggling with so much. So that whole entire experience of creating this one-stop app where you can have all these different features together that include music therapy, but also scheduling to figure out where your stressors are coming from. I think that can really go a long way in terms of helping people. um, Yeah. The whole idea of accessibility too, just helping people get that first step to, Getting help, and obviously, apps are not the end all solution for this, but they are a step to help people get get that help, and also to find resources that work for them.
2: No, absolutely, and for us, accessibility is so big. So, you know, twenty five percent of our app is always going to maintain free for all users, and that's what we've been very, very big on. We want to be able to create an app that you know people are are able to deploy right away, and they can use a, a few portions of our app. And so, we're really, really big on that, and we're also um, to your point, accessibility-wise, you know, really big on making sure that we have diverse perspectives into our integration of the app, whether that be our our, our meditation portion that we are, that we'll have eventually. Um, you know, bringing diverse speakers into that um, to talk about meditation is something that we are also uh, targeting as well. And, and our, one of our target markets is underrepresented communities. You know, BIPOC and LGBTQ plus um, communities. A lot of people in the LGBTQ plus communities they 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 are you know they are betrayed from their families or they have trauma from sexual assault. And it's really, really unfortunate to see that that's the case. Um, but, in order, but for us, it's really big that we are able to help these communities and that's what we'll always maintain to do.
1: I guess uh, to wrap up everything, thank you so much for talking about all your experiences, your background, everything. Um, I guess to end off the podcast, um, what resources would you recommend to our listeners in terms of mental health or to learn more about music therapy, or if you have any last words, you can also add on.
2: Yeah, no, I, for me, I, you know, for me, I think what is important is that everyone needs to recognize that mental health is something that is so, so important, and that it needs to be that we are talking about and in the classrooms or outside of the classrooms or even in the workspace. And if they're not, you know, take that time and take that initiative to read upon on mental health resources, including, you know, there's so many great resources on there, uh, out there that, you know, talk, whether that be, you know, uh, just Googling mental health resources or going on to, you know, news articles on the Wall Street Journal, on the New York Times or CNN or other news sites that are talking about mental health. You know, it's a very, very mainstream topic that we're talking about now in society, but taking the time to read about, uh, read about it and uh, recognizing that it's so important, um, you know, blocking in time in your calendars to just, um, step away from your computer step away from your phones putting your phone away like one of the things that i love to do is putting my phone upstairs you know in in my in my bedroom and like you know just 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 putting it away and not having to answer anyone for a good chunk of time because that's when you really realize and you're able to self-reflect and just to you know before pre-covid we would be able to travel and when we travel like we typically just focus on traveling and not necessarily replying to your friends right but now we can't really do that so blocking in the time um to just just relax and you know mute everything out mute all that sound and all that noise out is so so important And i think that's something that we all need to recognize and also stepping away from your your zone your, your box right like going out on walks going out uh, and just going on hikes on the weekends uh, really realizing that that's what you need to in order to sharpen the saw as i say right Sharp, sharpening our our toolkit sharpening ourselves um, is so, so important. And um, that that's always something that we all need to do. And like going forward, that's, that, that's what our society will need to focus on. And that's what our society will focus on. Uh, in terms of resources, there's a lot of resources out there. And, you know, I, I unfortunately don't don't know any on top of my head that I can name, but um, I, I, for one, um, use Headspace and use Calm um, that on, in terms of on my app on my on my phone. Uh, but you know, reading up, up up about it is just really, really key and, you know, continue to do that.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a great conversation. Um, We will definitely keep you posted on when we do put out your podcast. Right now, we are holding off a little bit on that, but we'll keep you in the loop. Um, We'll also send you links to our um, social media, our new website, so that you can check out any of the resources that um, we have available as well, if you want to look into that. Um, Additionally, yeah, we can send you a link to the podcast so that you can also um, uh, publicize it too, if you want to on any of your platforms as well, awesome. um, but thank you so much. It was really great to hear about, um, the company that you're building. And honestly, we wish you the best of luck and I'm sure you guys as a team are going to be so successful.
2: Thank you. Thank you. And you know, great to meet all of you. It's, it's such a pleasure. Um, and you know, thank you for reaching out. I know that, um, all your team members are just so great when I was meeting them on Wednesday. So really, really excited for all that, all that's to come.
0: Alrighty. Well, have Thank a good you. rest of your uh, night and stay safe and healthy.
2: You as well. Thank you so much. Bye. Okay.
0: Bye. It's not a game. It's a